0: maybe it'll be God's will to teach us his way this morning as we open his word. We're going to be looking today again at... uh, Sorry, my computer's a bit juddery this morning. Uh, Judges chapter 6. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Judges chapter 6 where we're going to carry on our study in the life of Gideon. We started last week looking at Gideon and uh, the first part of the the chapter when Gideon had his call to service, his great commission. And and you know there's some fantastic parallels between that uh, event and the great commission of the apostles. You know there was the uh, discouraged disciples on the road to Emmaus, just like Gideon was discouraged threshing the wheat. And the Lord came near and they uh, realized it was the Lord with them when there was the food test. And then the Lord disappeared and the Lord disappeared from Gideon at that same time. But then in both cases, the Lord spoke a word of peace to them later. So there's a great commission for Gideon and for the disciples. And there's a parallel there for us to see. And Gideon is amazing because he's the only judge the Lord actually came down from heaven to call into service. There's lots of other judges. In fact, the whole book of Judges is is made up of uh, a number of different men. Uh, But Gideon and Samson are the two biggest units in the book. And uh, Gideon especially is prominent because of his call by the Lord personally. Well, we're looking today at verses 25 through to 40. The scriptures say that same night the Lord said to him take the second bull from your father's herd the one seven years old tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on the top of this height using the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down. Sorry, using the the, the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down, offer the second bull as a burnt offering. So Gideon took ten of his servants and did as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid of his family and the men of the town, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. In the morning, when the men of the town got up, there was Baal's altar demolished with the Asherah pole beside it cut down. And the second bull sacrificed on the newly built altar. They asked each other, who did this? When they were carefully investigated, they were told Gideon, son of Joash, did it. The men of the town demanded of Joash, bring out your son, he must die. Because he has broken down Baal's altar and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. But Joash replied to the hostile crowd. Around him. If you are going to plead Baal's cause, sorry, are you going to plead Baal's cause? Are you trying to save him? Whoever fights for him shall be put to death by morning. If Baal really is a god, he can defend himself when someone breaks down his altar. So that day, they called Gideon Jerob Baal, saying, Let Baal contend with him because he broke down Baal's altar. Now all the Midianites, Amalekites and other eastern peoples joined forces and crossed over the Jordan and camped in the valley of Jezreel. Then the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon and he blew a trumpet summoning the Abizrites to follow him. He sent messengers throughout Manasseh calling calling them to arms and also into Asher, Zebulun and Naphtali so that they too went up to meet them. Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hand as you have promised, look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there is dew only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand as you said. That is what happened. Gideon rose early the next day he squeezed the fleece and wrung out the dew uh, uh, wrung out the dew a bowl full of water then gideon said to god do not be angry with me let me make just one more request allow me one more test with the fleece this time make the fleece dry and the ground covered with dew that night god did so only the fleece was dry all the ground was covered with dew. Please keep your Bibles open there. I'm sure you've heard uh, in the past about the uh, famous film director Cecil B. DeMille. He was famous for uh, his desert scenes and, and films uh, were made out in the Middle East. And on one occasion, he was organizing a big battle in a valley to be filmed. And he had thousands of foot soldiers and hundreds of men on horses for this big battle scene. And he wanted to get it right. So what he did was, he positioned three cameras in three different places. He had one next to him. He had one halfway up up a hill on the valley and one at the top, uh, the very top of the valley looking down and uh, they let the battle rip and he was uh, 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 filming away as he thought and then he shouted cut and then he turned to the man next to him who was filming and he said did you get it and the man said "Uh, Mr. DeMille I don't know how to tell you this but the camera jammed, I didn't get it And he thought, well, never mind. And he called to the man halfway up the hill and he said, did you get it? And he said, Mr. DeMille, I don't know how to tell you this, but the tape broke and he thought, never mind. And he got his loudspeaker and called up to the guy who was up on the top of the, the, the ridge overlooking the valley. And bear in mind, this is the Middle East. It's boiling hot. The poor guy's been up there on his own in the dust and in the heat of the sun. And he's, he, he's, he's got these big thick glasses on looking out uh, to stop the dust getting in his eyes. And he called out, did you get it? And uh, the man raised his thumb and said, ready when you are, Mr. DeMille. What a disaster. And uh, the cost was, uh, uh, I'm sure, expensive in film-making terms. But, you know, that's why you make preparations, because you want things to go right. And uh, it is one of the great lessons in life to be prepared. In fact, I think that was the Boy Scouts motto, wasn't it? Be prepared. And the army have five Ps, as they say, uh, which they teach all the men for. The five Ps are prior preparation prevents poor performance. And it's a a, a motto I picked up from when we were at Arborfield, where we had an army garrison next to us well Gideon here in this passage of scripture is preparing to go to war against the Midianites as we saw last time the Midianites were an enemy nation Uh, they're actually descendants of Ishmael we see elsewhere in the Bible and they had been coming up to Israel and camping in their valleys and stealing their crops at harvest time and Gideon uh, and the nation had been far away from the Lord and had been backslidden into idolatry. And so the Lord allowed this to happen for seven years. But now Gideon is called by the Lord because Israel has has called out to the Lord for mercy. And he is called by the Lord to lead Israel into battle. And as God said to him back in verse 16, the Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites together. God was going to lead Gideon to victory in battle against Midian. But before that could happen, there had to be preparations. And in this passage of scripture, we're going to see this morning the preparations that Gideon had to make uh, before that could happen. And I couldn't help thinking what a good passage for us this morning. At this point in the year, we're starting September now and we're going, kids are going back to school. It's the start of a new season for them. For some, it's the time when they're they're going out to work and others of us, it's a new season in life uh, in different ways. And it's Right that we make right preparations for going into a changing time like this. And I want us to see the things that Gideon had to do. There had to be a clean up, there had to be a fill up, and there had to be a check up. Very simple outline this passage, but that's uh, what we're going to see here this morning. And the first thing was there had to be a clean up as we see in verses 25 to 32. Verse 25 says that same night the Lord said to him take the second bull from your father's herd. The one seven years old tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on top of this height using the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down. Offer the second bull as a burnt offering. I found this story in the newspaper uh, some time ago uh, about a gentleman who lives down in Poole who had a lovely sea view, and so did his neighbours until he planted some big fir trees. And uh, the big fir trees grew up and they blocked everybody else's sea view. And it became a point of contention. Well, one night he was in bed and he heard the, what he thought was the sound of motorboats, uh, but it was the sound of chainsaws. And when he got up in the morning, there were his trees all chopped down. And uh, nobody knows who did it. <laughs> you know, and, uh, it's a real mystery. <laughs> but uh, the people came and did it at night. Well, in this story here, we, uh, we see that Gideon had to cut something down in the middle of the night as well. And uh, he had to destroy the altar. Baal that his father had on his property his father Joash whose name we pick up later on was evidently the keeper of a piece of land which he had allowed the the, uh, city people to build an altar on and it's a very sad thing that Manasseh which was one of the tribes of, of Israel which was the tribe Gideon was from they hadn't succeeded in driving out the Canaanites and as a result they had ended up adopting their pagan practices which is what God had warned them against all the way from the beginning and they hadn't done what the lord told them to in the law of moses in fact there's a number of places but if you're making notes exodus 34 verses 12 to 14 says be careful not to make a treaty with those who live in the land where you're going or they will be a snare among you break down their altars smash their sacred poles and cut down their ashes sacred stones and cut down their asherah poles do not worship any other god for the lord whose name is jealous is a jealous god and the lord had told them before they went into the land that they were to get rid of the idols out of the land well they hadn't done that and instead they had gone back to idol worship and gideon Here is called by the lord to get rid of that idol it's the same night as he had the visitation from the angel of the lord uh, earlier on which was his commissioning but that same night the lord called him to do it and to his credit gideon gets up at night and does it now gideon gets a lot of stick for doing it during night and some people said oh he was too cowardly he did it at night well that may be the case Uh, But he actually did it straight away. And how many of us obey the Lord straight away, that quickly? You know, to his his commendation, I think that that says something for him. And he he, uh, took ten men and it's interesting ten is the ten men is a minion uh, uh, to the Jewish mind It's what, what you call ten men gathered for prayer uh, is a minion he took ten men ten of his servants and did as the Lord told him we read in verse 27 and the Lord had told him to not only cut down Baal's altar but the Asherah pole next to it Baal was a fertility God um, and he was a God who was supposed to provide the crops and provide the weather and And the rain and everything like this and uh, he was a fertility god but he was a male and a female and so they they had Baal as the male and Asherah as the female and her statue was like a sort of totem pole and you always had the two next to each other. By the way if you go to Megiddo in the land of Israel you can see the remains of an altar to Baal. And this is in the tribal territory of Manasseh. So who knows whether this was on uh, Joash's land and this was where it happened. Uh, I don't know. But uh, that's, that's what it would have looked like. And some of your Bibles say a grove. But a grove is, is a reference to the Asherah pole next to it. But Gideon had to clean that up and cut it down. And there were consequences for doing that because as soon as he did it the people the next morning got up to pay their dues to uh, Baal, and they went to his altar and they found it was demolished and destroyed and so the mob came angrily to joash because somehow you know it's hard to keep a secret with 10 men isn't it and uh, somehow they found out pretty quickly it was gideon who'd done it and they came like a mob to his house to ask for gideon's blood and uh it, what happens next is amazing because it shows a change of heart in Joash towards uh, Baal and, and Gideon's action has obviously led to Joash's own change of heart. I'd like to say his conversion and Joash whose name I think I'm right in saying his name means something like uh, father of help or strong help He lives up to his name and he stands with his son and he says are you going to plead Baal's cause? Are you trying to save him? Whoever fights for him shall be put to death by morning. If Baal really is a god, he can defend himself when someone breaks down his altar. What great apologetics they are! You know, Uh, if if he's really a god, let him defend himself. You know, that's what I feel like saying to all these Muslim crowds when you see, you know, like the, uh, the riots they had and, and the killings they had over the cartoons in, in France. You know, if your God really is a God, let him defend himself. They all know he can't. That's the truth of the matter. And that was what these people were like as well. And Joash saved his son. Actually, when you think about it, there's a parallel here again with the book of Acts when Paul treads on the toes of the idol worshippers at Ephesus and uh, the silversmiths follow Demetrius and they raise a mob and they want Paul's blood. God raised another man, a city clerk, to quell the crowd. Isn't God gracious how he works? To, to stop this and uh, so that's what Joash did and as a result of that Gideon earned himself a new name it says in verse 32 so that day they called Gideon Jerob Baal now Jerub, Jeru, is the same as the first part of the name Jerusalem and uh, it means to be established something being established he's called Jerob Baal let it be established that he uh, is Baal's contender and let Baal contend with him because he broke down Baal's altar and everybody would have been watching for the rest of Gideon's life to see if Baal knocked him out but of course he never did and it was a visible testament to the fact that Baal wasn't the true God so before anything could happen They had to get rid of Baal. Before Midian could go, Baal had to go. And there had to be true repentance in Israel and a change of heart and a change uh, towards the Lord and a turning to him. And I want to say this, dear friends, that in any situation, the people of God or people who want to be people of God need to begin with a clean up. We need to have a clean-up. We need to see Baal fall in our lives. You know, the first commandment uh, is to have no other gods before the Lord. And this was the commandment that had to be put back in place as far as Gideon was concerned. And for us, if we want to become Christians and follow the Lord, we have to let every false religion go. And we have to turn away from all sin and reject it. And every idol must go and uh, that's something that God is doing not only to establish his place in our lives but for our good too you see as one idol worshipper said to a missionary what you Christians don't understand is an idol demands everything but gives nothing and that's true an idol demands everything but gives nothing and you want to be rid of the false gods in your life and i wonder what the false gods are that have to be taken away out of your life the things that are that are uh, in place you know with the rich young ruler it was his money wasn't it and he turned his back on the lord jesus christ for the love of money and other things can step in and hold us back perhaps there's a relationship you shouldn't have and you know in the back of your heart you're going out with somebody who's not a Christian, or someone who's married, and you know it's wrong, but you're struggling to let it go. But God says, if you want Midian to go, Baal has got to go. There has to be a clean up first. The idol has to fall. And praise God, there can be a cleansing within as well, by the blood of the saviour you know it's interesting that God didn't just say cut down Baal he said also make an altar on that place for me a proper kind of altar and offer the second bull now what was significant about the second bull well the second bull was seven years old which was the same length of time Midian had been oppressing uh, Israel so that's significant and the second bull was probably uh, the one that hadn't yet been dedicated to Baal the first one probably already had been the second one hadn't been so this was dedicated now to the Lord but you know typologically the second bull represents the second person of the Trinity who came and died on the cross for your sins and mine so we can be washed clean by God and made right with him. It's a wonderful thing to realize that the Lord came to be our sacrifice, our savior. You know, I wonder if you've ever read the story of John and Betty Stan. But John and Betty Stan were, were missionaries to China way back at the beginning of the previous century. And when the communists uh, invaded uh, China and, uh, and, and took over, John and Betty were taken to prison and uh, their little baby daughter, Helen Priscilla, was taken with them. And they were marched off and they were then going to be executed. Uh, This is for being Christians. And as they were being marched off, one of the farmers in the crowd among the people said, not the baby as well. And the communist official turned around and said, that baby, every one of them must die. And the farmer said, listen, would you accept a substitute? And the man said, yes. And he said, I'll die in the baby's place. And a couple of other people took on the baby and raised her, Helen Priscilla Stamm. And that man, that farmer, died in her place. The Lord Jesus died in your place so you can be forgiven and cleansed by God. So repent of your sin, receive his cleansing and his saving mercy today. Any preparation for time or eternity must begin with a clean up. The second thing we see here is the fill-up that had to happen. And we see that in verses 33 and 34. In verse 33, it says, Now all the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples joined forces and crossed over the Jordan and camped in the valley of Jezreel. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, summoning the Abiasites to follow him. Now, it was a repeat story they were gathering in the harvest and the midianites came back as they had done again Uh, we're told it was the midianites and the amalekites the amalekites are a very important people group to know about in the bible they're descendants of edom and they were particularly hated by the lord for their hostility against israel in exodus chapter 17 the lord said there would be war against Amalek, amalek to the end of days and uh, for my, my money, I, I reckon the Antichrist will come from the bloodline of Amalek. Uh, but uh, the Midianites and the Amalekites came together with the other eastern peoples. And they came down to the Valley of Jezreel. Now, I've heard about the Je- Valley of Jezreel somewhere before. Haven't you? <laughs> Those of you who are Bible students will know the Valley of Jezreel is the Valley of Armageddon is the place of the battle of Armageddon is going to happen and what you have here is a preview of coming attractions the enemies are coming against israel and the kings of the east like the other eastern peoples they're coming down as well according to revelation chapter 16 and when we get into chapter 7 we'll see uh, there's other parallels in there as well but uh, this is uh what was happening and the pressure was on and they came down and they camped in this valley to steal away their crops again but at that moment the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon and you know that is a beautiful phrase in the Hebrew in the Hebrew it literally says the spirit clothed himself with Gideon Isn't that a beautiful phrase? Not the spirit clothed Gideon, the spirit clothed himself with Gideon. Like a hand going into a glove, the spirit of God came into Gideon. And the man who was a weak, trembling man a few moments ago, threshing his wheat in a wine press, suddenly became a soldier for God. And he was filled up and empowered ready to serve the Lord. And uh, what a difference we see. At that point, he blows the trumpet, which was, according to Numbers chapter 10, the sound for, for the gathering of Israel for war. And he summoned the, uh, Israel for war. And the first to come and follow him were the Abias Rites, The very people who earlier on had been saying to him about cutting down Baal's altar. God had got through to them. And the spirit of God on Gideon was obvious, evident to them. And they said, this is a man we're going to follow. And he sent messengers, according to verse 35, throughout Manasseh, calling them to arms and also into Asher, Zebulun and Naphtali, so that they too went up to meet him. Now, what does this mean on a map? Let me just show you Uh, the tribe area we're talking about is here the the nation of Israel had each had their own each tribe had their own allotment and their own portion given to them by uh, Joshua and by Moses and Manasseh is the big blue tribe and then you have Asher and Naphtali up at the top by the lake of Galilee and Zebulun the yellow one there uh, is close down as well And these tribes often come together in any listing of the tribes. If you have any blessings given, like the blessings of Jacob and the blessings of Moses, or in the land allotments and things like that, often they fall together. There's an association with these tribes. And when Gideon sent messengers, they all gathered to him. That's actually really encouraging because Asher had stayed away When the Lord had gathered Israel to gather for battle for the war in the days of Deborah and Barak. They hadn't wanted to join and and Deborah criticized them in her song for that. But Asher came now and joined together. And you know what a lesson this is. that. When we're going out to serve the Lord, when we're going out into a new era of our lives, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need him to come inside us and it will impact not only ourselves, but others around us as well. As they see what the Lord is doing in us, they will want to join and follow with us. And I want to say how much we need the Holy Spirit to do the Lord's work. You know, William Temple uh, uh, was a a, a Christian writer and preacher, very famous, uh, quite a few decades back. And he said this. And he said this. He said, It is no good giving me a play like Hamlet or King Lear and telling me to write a play like that. Shakespeare could do it. I can't. And it's no good showing me a life like the life of Jesus and telling me to live a life like that. Jesus could do it. I can't. But if the genius of Shakespeare could come and live in me, and then I could write a play like that. And if the spirit of the Lord Jesus could come and live in me, then I could live a life like that. And that's a wonderful quote, and that's exactly why we need the Holy Spirit to come and live inside us. You see, God isn't just standing on the sidelines saying, do better, do better, do better. He's saying, let me help you do better. And he comes inside in the power of the Holy Spirit to help us to live for him. And we need to be people who are clothed, who, who clothe the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy One living inside us. And the Bible command is to be filled with the Holy Spirit in Ephesians 5.18. That's a command of scripture. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we should pray for it. And we should seek the Lord to fill us. You know, that's the secret of every true servant of God. Years ago, when D.L. Moody was scheduled to conduct a a preaching crusade in a particular city, uh, a group of ministers got together to decide who to invite as their speaker. And uh, they wanted, some of them, majority of them wanted to invite D.L. Moody to come, the evangelist. And one of the gentlemen who didn't agree said, well... Why should we have Moody? There's other preachers. He said that, he says, Moody doesn't have a monopoly on the Holy Spirit. And one of the preachers turned around and said to him, No, but the Holy Spirit has a monopoly on D.L. Moody. So that's the way round we want it to be, isn't it? The Lord to be in control of our lives. Dr. Graham Scroggie, the great preacher who uh, is a great Bible man, And therefore very, very uh, strongly scriptural. He said this, the great problem with the church today is that she is on the right side of Calvary and the wrong side of Pentecost. The right side of forgiveness and the wrong side of power. The right side of peace, but on the wrong side of deliverance. And I think he's right. That's why I want to urge you this week to come to the week of prayer. And as we pray for God to work at Union Chapel and build this church, we're going to pray, God, fill us with your Holy Spirit. More will be achieved if each of the church members and believers in this church get filled with the Holy Spirit than just mechanics happening on their own. We need the power of God and there's absolutely no substitute for it. I love that verse. The spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. May he come upon you this week. And then the third thing that had to happen for Gideon was he had to have a checkup. Uh, and uh, not for him his own health, but uh, he had to check up as we see in verses 36 to 40. In verse 36, Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand as you have promised, Look, I'll place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand as you said. Now, Gideon wanted to make sure all the time that he was in the will of God. And constantly, Gideon is a man who is checking Everything Earlier on, when he was uh, visited by the angel of the Lord, he wanted to be sure it was the angel of the Lord. And so he laid this test before the Lord with the, with the food on the, on, on the rock. And you remember the angel struck the rock with his staff and fire came out of, of the rock. It was a, a reversal of Moses striking the rock and water coming out of the rock. But this time fire came out, and it was proof to Gideon that it was the angel of the Lord who he had been speaking to. Where well, Gideon wants to check up that he is right in going to battle. And I want to say this, dear friends, a lot of people criticize Gideon for this. He gets a lot of flack in the Bible commentaries for this uh, as being a man of weak faith and uh, a man who was uh, uh, evidently, you know, uh, thinking about going back. I think to be really honest with you, most people have never put themselves in the situation that Gideon was in at this point when they make a comment like that. Listen. When you're going to war, lives are at stake. Husbands can die at war. Fathers can get killed at war. Sons can be killed at war. Homes can be lost as a result of war. I'm personally convinced that Gideon was absolutely right to check before he went forward. With that weight of responsibility, if I was following someone who was leading us to what, I would want them to check and double check. Wouldn't you make sure? I mean, do you know the irony of this? The last time, we're not looking at my notes, the last time I preached uh, Gideon was the very day British troops landed in Iraq for the Gulf War. We were all led to believe Saddam Hussein had nuclear weapons and was ready to destroy. And then, of course, they had the inquiry and he didn't have them. Mm-hmm. And there was a big hullabaloo. Tony Blair and George Bush got themselves into a lot of trouble for that. I'm sure, actually, there was more going on behind the scenes. Uh, but that was the public uh, outcry about it. You know what? We don't want to make the same mistake. Gideon was right to check up. And so he laid this fleece on the floor uh, before the Lord and asked the Lord to do a miracle, to make the fleece wet with dew when the ground around it would still be dry. And uh, this was asking for a, a supernatural act of God. And then Gideon reversed it when it happened. When the Lord did it, then Gideon reversed it. And he asked the Lord, don't. Don't be angry with me in verse 39. Just let me make one more request. Allow one more test with the fleece. This time make the fleece dry and the ground covered with dew. And that night God did so. Only the fleece was dry. All the ground was covered with dew. And you know what, dear friends? That was a a miracle that Gideon received from God as an assurance he was in the will of God. One thing to be dry and the other wet, or wet first and then the other dry, was, was an act of God. Now, some people don't believe this can happen. But I heard a, a, a preacher tell a story once about his father who had been a farmer in Florida. And a weather forecast had come in of a very cold snap. And they were all orange growers. And he said, my father prayed for his orange gr- oranges not to be lost. And do you know what? All the other farmers lost their oranges. But the believer who prayed to God, his oranges were spared the frost. So think of the power of God in that. And this is what the Lord can do. And this is what the Lord did for Gideon. And uh, he turned the situation into an assurance. Now, I want to say this because a lot of people adopt this as a method of seeking guidance. Gideon was not seeking guidance. Gideon was seeking assurance. There is a difference. Did you notice? He said in verse 36 If you will save Israel by my hand, as you have promised. And at the end of verse 39, that you will save Israel by my hand. As you said. Gideon wasn't saying, now is this this what God's telling me to do? No, he knew what God had told him to do. But he was checking up. He was asking for confirmation. And that's why we've got to be very careful about laying fleeces out to get guidance. You know, some people uh, say, well, you know, God, if you want me to ask this girl to go out with me, make her come and sit next to me. You know, and uh, that sort of thing. Normally, actually, what people are asking for is a coincidence. What Gideon asked was a miracle. was a miracle. Something supernatural. And then he asked it the other way around, that it would be undone the other way around, for double confirmation. So we've got to be very careful about using this as a a method of guidance. But the point I do want to draw out from this is that Gideon was wise to check up that he was in the will of God and going in the right direction for his life. You know, it can be fatal if you don't check things first. Prince Charles I went to war uh, against a, a foreign nation. I think it was to France. And they were going to take captive lots of Bastilles. And they all got out there and they got all their siege engines ready and built them and taken them across, to the, uh, across the water. And when they got there, they found the walls of the Bastilles were so much higher than their siege engines, they had to come home in disgrace. They became a mock. But you know what? That's because they didn't check. We need to make sure that when we're going forward, that we're checking God's will all the time. Are we in the will of God? Lord, show me your way. And that's why I love singing that hymn we sung earlier, Teach Me Thy Way, O Lord. You know, the psalmist prayed, didn't he? uh, Show me your ways, teach me your paths in Psalm 25. And in the book of Proverbs, it tells us to ponder the path of your feet ponder the path of your feet and a good prayer to take is the prayer of Paul in Colossians when he prayed that we would have understanding the Colossians would have understanding of the will of God spiritually and uh, we can lay that before the Lord in prayer and he will confirm our guidance as we take time to wait for him sometimes we do have to allow time for guidance to come it doesn't always come as instantly as it did with gideon one person said i feel like i'm stuck in a lift between two floors and uh, i don't know whether i'm coming or going up or down well sometimes it can be like that but we just have to patiently wait on the lord but you know what just as we close here again there's another beautiful picture here of the lord jesus christ Not only do we see the picture of the Holy Spirit coming down like the dew from heaven on the fleece, like Gideon wanted the spirit to come on him and then on Israel around. And uh, actually a lot of commentators see the parallel with the Holy Spirit coming on Israel in the Old Testament. And the Gentiles later with the word of God. But the, the Jew coming down on the fleece is picked up by the psalmist as a picture of the Lord himself. Now you won't get it in the uh, normal Bible but in the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, which the apostles used, as we see in the book of Acts, in Psalm 71 verse 6, it says he will descend like rain on a fleece and like drips, drops dripping on the earth. Isn't that amazing? I can't help thinking that the psalmist had this story in mind. And we thank God for the Lord Jesus Christ who came down from heaven to bring salvation and a new life in him. So as we're making preparations to go forward, let's make sure... We've had a clean-up. Let's pray for a fill-up, and let's check up as we go along, and that's how we'll walk with the Lord. We're going to. See-